Production. Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is Thursday, August 21st, 2008. We all have a deep inner yearning to share with others who we are and to serve humanity with our unique gifts and divine talents. The question remains, how can we serve humanity to change the world for the better and begin today? The process is initiated with an awareness of our inner desires launched with the heart's energy to drive us as the ultimate compass to our spiritual destiny. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. I am a metaphysician, clairvoyant, and clairaudient intuitive, a writer, public speaker, PR and marketer, personal advisor to visionaries, leader, and spiritual teacher. Please explore more on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com or at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com. Also, you can further explore Evolution Revolution on my new blog at www.evolutionrevolutionwithdulcinea.com. Thank you for joining the show this evening, wherever you may be listening. Tonight, on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Debbie Jordan. She is an author of The World I Imagine, a creative manual for ending poverty and building peace. Jordan's book is a collection of 47 essays originating in the column she writes for the Arizona City Independent Edition. She writes, I plan to continue sharing my ideas for ending poverty and building a peaceful society through both my columns and my books. She promises, because we will, we will never have peace on earth as long as anyone is forced to live in poverty. Poverty and peace cannot coexist. Debbie Jordan approaches several important issues in her writing, such as education, health care, disability, and old age, but she doesn't treat any one as a single issue as if it can be solved on its own. Instead, she makes numerous cross-references to demonstrate how all of these social issues interrelate as a part of a complex social tapestry. Jordan is active as a volunteer and has developed many of her creative ideas by observing and studying on her own. She began to write her ideas and observations beginning in the 1980s with novels and since 2000 in her popular newspaper column. She continues to work on both nonfiction and fiction literary projects and resides with her husband in the Phoenix, Arizona area. Welcome, Debbie. Thank you for joining me tonight on Evolution Revolution. Hello, Dulcinea. It's it's an honor to have you here. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, Debbie, when did you realize in your life that you were committed to peace on earth and increasing the quality of life for humanity? Well, I can't say there was any one point or event. As uh, you noted in, in the introducing me, I, I'm, I've, I'm an observer I've always looked at things. I've always questioned things. I was the the ringer in the bunch no matter where I was. And I looked at the 
negative impact of so many of the things that we do and realized, of course, on individual basis, if we could do this better, we could do that better. But I also came to realize through through many experiences, especially religious ones, incidentally, that it is this... Um, attitude that war can solve problems that is causing more problems and of course as you uh, noted I've come to realize that as long as poverty exists that we're always going to have war and I I simply put things together but I can give you one incident I was um it, taking a short walk up a hill on a property we owned in Georgia in 1991, the fall of 91. I do remember this. And uh, it was raining that day, and I looked out over. It was just the end of the the summer green and a little bit beginning of the fall with with the fall color. And, And suddenly it occurred to me I had to write about this. Uh, that the opportunity would come, and it was almost a, a an inspiration, a revelation at that moment. So I, I say, I can say from that point, I knew this was what I had to get myself organized to write about, and it wasn't until um, I came here to Arizona in 2000 and began writing that column that I was given the venue in which to organize my ideas, and I'm so appreciative of that. Yes, that's been a great platform to really help you to articulate and launch your observations. Yes. Um, uh, my my editor, uh, uh, Kane, always gives me, lets me write what I want to, and, and <laughs> I hope I respect my limits, too. <laughs> certainly, but it certainly. has been fun. Well, wonderful, and it's launched the platform for your new wonderful book, "The World I Imagine: A Creative Manual for Ending Poverty and Building Peace." So, in the book, "The World I Imagine," you touch upon several issues, and I'd like to start with the issue of. Why must every human right be perfectly balanced with an equal responsibility? Well, there's there's that uh, very uh, easy example of the person who yells fire in a crowded theater. They might claim that they are uh, expressing their um, right to free speech, but it could cause a, a, a riot which could... Uh, uh, cause injury and even death. So uh, that's that's a a very obvious example of why if you want to uh, claim rights, you have to make sure you um, uh, uh, don't misuse those rights in ways that hurt other people. In the book, I tell about my my mother-in-law, my uh, who who. Uh, passed away in 1975, and I miss her so much. She was such a, a, a card. She loved the, the joke. And she 
at the airport in San Antonio way back in in the early 70s, before all this security was as tight as it is, she went through the um, uh, her purse went through X-ray and she picked it up, started to walk away and said, "Well, uh, at least you didn't find my pocket knife." And the uh, suddenly a guard took her to an office and made her miss her flight to show her a, a lesson that she didn't have a right to talk about weapons in a security situation. And uh, uh, we kind of made a joke about it later, but we did explain to her that she had an obligation not to uh, uh, talk about things to people who, for whom it was serious business. So that was an, an example of a real-life situation in which a person had to balance a right with a responsibility. Yes, and I thought when I read that, that story and was reading through the book, I thought that this question really touched upon all of the, the issues that you bring up in the book, like human rights and education mm-hmm. and poverty and unemployment and just mm-hmm. there's so many different concepts. But I, I feel it was an important point to point out that every time we discuss any of these social issues and there's a, a human right involved, it is also important to acknowledge the, uh, the element of responsibility within that right. Definitely. And uh, besides, uh, the way I, I've tried to show it is that uh, whatever we do, it not only affects the, the current um, situation, but it can affect so many things. It's the butterfly wing effect that that uh, uh if a butterfly um flaps its wings in 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 a small place in the amazon it can affect uh the temperature uh, uh in a, a completely another hemisphere by the the different currents that begin from it so these are uh, uh, our society is like that too very great analogy. I really appreciate that. Butterflies are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So you also mentioned four freedoms in President Franklin Roosevelt's World War II speech that I also felt were very profound and global and, again, unified many of the topics that were mentioned throughout the book. And I'd like to go over those four freedoms and just talk briefly about how they resonate with human rights and the social issues that are mentioned throughout the book, The World I Imagine, a creative manual for ending poverty and building peace. Okay. Um, Of course there is the freedom from want. That's an important one. I'm I'm trying uh, trying to make my uh, uh, get here... And, and make sure I can remember these. Um, yes, and I'll go through them with you as well. Okay. The the freedom from want, of, of course, that means being having the basics that we need. And, of course, that's, that's a, a vital element in uh, throughout the book that I, I mentioned, that uh, ending poverty is not just uh, raising somebody's uh, wages, but making sure that the the basic needs, uh, food, uh, shelter, uh, clothing, 
transportation, uh, education, uh, job training, and employment, as well as health care and, and social services, that these are all available to each individual at a price they can afford. And I repeated that so much throughout the book. Of course, it, since it began as separate essays, I mentioned it in almost every one of the essays, and I kept it in the book that way, uh, uh, being repeated throughout the book so much, because I want that principle, this is the basic principle for ending poverty, that I want it to become like the the commercial jingle that people can't get out of their heads. I want them to remember that it is uh, being able to purchase all the basic goods and services that they they need uh, at a cost that is no more than half of what the lowest paid worker earns. This way, uh, uh, nobody will be in want and there will be no excuse for the unrest that does lead to the lack of peace, to the conflict that is so prevalent now. Very, very valid point, and that all ties into the freedom from want that we were discussing. And I'd like to touch upon the point that you made about ending poverty would really require all humans to have their basic needs met, including goods and services. Mm -hmm. And to approach that goal, I know psychology has a really popular theory known as Maslow's Hierarchy. Yes. And it's a triangle, and he just, what he says in a real simplistic way with the, with the symbol of a triangle is that the bottom needs are our basic human needs like food, clothing, shelter. Ed. And then it evolves into the tip of the triangle, which would be self-actualization mm, yes. and a higher consciousness. And I felt that that really tied into the point you were making because it really is going to require a human conscious shift for us to change the the poverty situation globally. Very much. I, and to I, do that, we will really bring in the basic needs in that hierarchy and the basic needs that you mentioned in the book. Definitely, definitely, because we can't have the higher, the the uh, psychological, the, the spiritual uh, consciousness without being aware of uh, that uh, the need for the material things the uh, the that basic need if it's not met uh, 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 overpowers the rest and that's a, it's a responsibility of all of us to make sure th- the rest of us have that Yes, and so how do we accommodate that without reducing our individual qualities of life? Well, one thing, it, that's, a, that's a very interesting um, uh, point because a lot of people are afraid, especially people who feel they have uh, what they need, they have actually more than they need. Uh, they're afraid that if uh, we were to talk about spreading the wealth, that, that that would mean they're losing some wealth. But uh, what we don't consider is the fact that poverty is actually very expensive for all of us. There are the costs of security, 
uh, from the private to the international. Look at what we're paying for war right now. Look at what every individual uh, citizen of the United States owes because of the, the war in Iraq, for instance. That is a debt on us. That's, that's a lien against our uh, personal wealth. And if we didn't have those wars, we wouldn't have to worry about the cost of them to our personal wealth. And as I said, the, as long as poverty exists, there will be unrest, which will lead to uh, conflicts, which lead to wars. So poverty in itself is a cost to all of us that we can ill afford. Absolutely. So how, how do we approach a global strategy to help people meet their basic needs? Well, it's not going to be quick. It's not going to be uh, uh, overnight. It's something, first of all, we have to be doing exactly what we're doing now, talking about it. We have to begin to, to uh, discuss taking things, um, uh, starting things at the grassroots level. You will also uh, uh, have probably have noticed that I mentioned the community role, uh, Absolutely. The, the neighborhood role in, in uh, the process. It, it doesn't happen unless we get people uh, interested throughout the world in each neighborhood, beginning to talk with their neighbors about these things. Um, it, it's something that has to be uh, to begin from that level, and it's not something we, that we we can elect the right person and they can wave the magic wand and pass the right law uh, and and make it happen. It has to be a change of attitude and a change of habit throughout the communities throughout the planet. It's going to be a long-term process if it happens, and it can only happen if we talk about it. Yes, well, that is a very important point that we're here talking about at this night and really activating the energy to bring into consciousness and awareness yes. that we all as human beings deserve basic rights, whether we were born in Africa or Asia or in North America. We truly deserve to have our basic needs met. And to really accommodate that, we have to really evaluate our social issues, not only as a country, but globally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in doing that, we're talking about our four freedoms. And I'd just like to mention a few of them. And then I really want to talk about the important role of community in starting to catalyze the social revolution that needs to occur to create the paradigm shift that is before us. Okay. So the, um, another one of the four freedoms that were mentioned that really, again, goes through the book is freedom of speech and expression, which really depicts what we're doing here tonight. Yes, absolutely. And uh, it, it's, it's not just uh, one person talking, but it's, others listening, and not only listening, but hopefully the reason I wrote these things and continue to write and talk is that 
I'm hoping to spark other ideas. Uh, what I try to emphasize in my book, in, in my writing, and everything that I, I say is I'm not saying I have the answers. I'm saying we must all work together to find the answers, to find out what works. And we do that by, by sparking. All, each of our minds is like a little bonfire, and uh, uh, I'm hoping that the flint of my voice and your voice as well, because uh, you you have so many important things to say, will will spark more of these uh, fires in people's uh, minds and hearts, and get them talking and get them thinking uh, more creatively outside the box, so to speak. Yes. Yes, I have a beautiful card in front of me that says, The Butterfly of Freedom. Why do you fly outside the box? And a little butterfly is flying outside a box with a bunch of butterflies in it. And it says, I fly outside the box because I can. And the ones in the box respond and say, But we know the box. We are safe inside the box. And the butterfly that's on its way outside of the box says, That, my friend, is why I leave it. For you may be safe, but I am free. Yes, absolutely, and uh, it, it's not easy. It, it there are risks, and there and there are there is a price, but uh, it has to be done. We have to fly outside that. Oh, that's such a beautiful analogy. I love that. Yes, and I just I just looked I looked up and it just absolutely related to the concept. <laughs> so on, back to the four freedoms. So the next freedom that I think is really really important is the freedom from fear, which will really support the, again the shift for consciousness that can ultimately eliminate poverty and manifest peace. Absolutely. Besides the lack of of uh, the basic goods, uh, being in need. Fear itself is is an element that causes so much of the conflict, and fear is caused by the unknown. Um, when we don't know uh, another person, we might fear that they mean to harm us, and so we might uh, act uh, aggressively simply because we fear that that other person might act aggressively. And, uh, you know, the old the, the um, uh, tradition we have of shaking hands came from the, the uh, ancient tradition of, of uh, approaching an enemy with an open hand to show, show them that there wasn't a weapon in it. And that's what we all have to do. Uh, approach each other with open hands and open hearts in order to try to to show them that we really do want to know about each other and know each other and support each other instead of of uh, um, uh, causing people to fear us uh, and threatening them so uh it, this is something that that is uh, basic to being able to end the state of war that we seem to have 
constantly lived in, even when we have periods we call peace. Yes, that is so very true. I am speaking with author Debbie Jordan. She has written the book, The World I Imagine, a creative manual for ending poverty and building peace. You can find her on the World Wide Web at www.imaginetheworldatpeace.com. Again, that's imaginetheworldatpeace.com. You can also find her link on the evolutionrevolutionradio.com link as well. And we'd really like you to connect with her. She has her contact information on the website. You can let her know your thoughts and your ideas as she pursues this great endeavor of writing and opening up the energetic gateways with her ideas for all of us to then contribute and increase the energy that we put forth to create world peace and to eliminate poverty to really allow humans to experience a quality of life that we all deserve. As we were speaking, Debbie, we were talking about freedom from fear, and I thought that in the book you did a really amazing job of standing up for the rights of children, not only in terms of education, and I really do want to get to that point. It's a very important point near and dear to my own heart, but also in terms of respecting the civil rights of children in terms of their family dynamics and experiencing abuse. And that too hit very close to home for me. And I, I was aware that April is Child Abuse Prevention Month, and to any of our audience who is not aware of that, um, I think that is an important thing I want to put out there is that there is a whole month dedicated to the wel- welfare of children and bringing forth the consciousness that there are silent sufferers in hundreds and thousands of homes, and they're under the age of 18, and they're often at the mercy of parents and adults that are close to them that they should be able to have a trust bond with. Again, why does this matter? Because this is a human right that's being violated that puts our country in a hindrance experience to the peace that we're looking at creating. Absolutely, Uh, and uh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is an element in which uh, essentially in in, uh, such a household, these children uh, grow up with knowing uh, very little besides fear. In fact, even the uh, uh, um, what might look like happy uh, people uh, smiling if you really look behind, look deep into their eyes, you will see there is fear because uh, they've been trained to put on a, a happy face to hide what's really going on in the family. And remember, uh, grow, uh, the family raises the citizens. And if the the family is raising these people to be to know nothing but fear, then they will know nothing but fear as adults. And um, as I say uh, in in the uh, that essay, every aspect of uh, child abuse is based on that psychological power that uh, developing the fear in the child child so that the abuser can maintain psychological control. So you can look at each individual type of child abuse uh, separately, but they all have the same 
dynamic, the same element, and the same purpose. And uh, so that they really are uh, vital to, to it, it's vital to do everything we can to eliminate this um, tradition from from our families, from society, if we're ever going to reach a state of peace in society as a whole. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And I, I do, I have to just elaborate on the importance of the family dynamic and how it does raise our citizens. It, mm-hmm. in, my, in my past, I've really had um, a passion for working with youth. And so I really dedicated myself to reaching out to youth, to working in the school systems. I'm a, um, a big, a pioneer is the word that I'd like to use for the word indigo children, which is uh, just yes. a label. Yes. Yes, I but it's, are you familiar? Yes, I, I. As a matter of fact, I have a girlfriend. Uh, it, uh, I haven't delved uh, delved deeply into the the details so much, but I have a girlfriend in Georgia, uh, a fellow writer, who uh, uh, introduced me to the topic, and I realized that in fact, in our family, my husband and me, and both of our of our sons. Uh, are, are indigo uh, uh, now adults? <laughs> sure, sure. And uh, I loved the. I did. Uh, uh, I I was uh, recognized us in the um, uh, the list that that your website uh, linked to of the twenty five adult uh, characteristics. Yes, characteristics Good. of the adult. And so, Good. yes, go. <laughs> that is so wonderful. For everyone out there, what she's referring to is there's a great website, www.metagifted.org, and they have 25 adult indigo characteristics, and it's just so fun for any of us who think that we may be, you know, as adults, we often feel like, oh, well, I'm not a child. I can't be indigo. Remember, evolution is a process. It's nothing is overnight. So if if there are indigo children, there was a, a gradual shift to this. So most of us alive today are going to have characteristics of the indigo generation. It's just to what degree do we have them. And that varies across the population. And again, why I brought this up, because a lot of the issues that you mentioned throughout the book, The World I Imagine, Debbie, really touch upon the, the concepts that are so important for these highly evolved children we call indigos, which is no surprise that you identify with them and are leading them with your writings. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Thank you. Um, actually, I think uh, it, that is exactly what I've felt, that it, it is, uh, in fact, this evolution, revolution, uh, this is the perfect theme because... Uh, uh, there are more of us out there who understand and and who can teach and and this is why I feel that uh, my writing and my speaking uh, I'm hoping that that more and more people uh, like us will find their voice and begin to to uh, think and talk as well. Uh, uh, like this, and and that this can uh, really make a difference. Absolutely, and I would definitely say your book is already making a difference. It definitely impacted my life and validated 
a lot of the um, topics that I look at with my work as a clairvoyant, as an executive consultant, and as a youth advocate, these different roles that I take on, and a radio host. <laughs> and, and it's just so important. I mean, we really need to look at economic stability. We need to look at the educational paradigm. We have to look at the basic civil rights to make sure that those more evolved processes such as education even have the po opportunity or possibilities. And, and so I just really, I really wanted to commend you for bringing all this information forth. And particularly, you know, let's talk about your educational model. You really have a great idea on presenting how the current educational paradigm is limiting children and focusing on the normative result, the normative. How can we, how can we categorize these kids as one, the same? Exactly. It, it, we have to remember that the model was designed, the, uh, the, the concept began in Germany and then was enhanced here in, in the United States by the industrialists led by a, a team of industrialists, industrialists led by Henry Ford, who you will remember uh, started the uh, mass production. And that was the idea to produce factory workers. Uh, uh, which was, uh, they thought it was a good idea at the time, but they weren't considering the concept of a higher evolution in society. Uh, they were thinking of the almighty dollar uh, and, and how they could keep their factories going. And uh, it, it, children are not uh, uh, uniform products. Uh, students, we're forming citizens. We're we're forming uh, human beings, uh, giving, trying to give them the opportunity to become the best themselves, uh, the best individuals they can be. And uh, so we, there are so many elements that we need to add to the. Uh, educational model that exists now, uh, not necessarily tear it down because the classroom setting has a an important role, but we need to add to it to to give more individual initiative for the students to go forward in those areas at a faster rate uh, in which they do better and to investigate this was this is one of the things. Oh, I so believe in. I wish I'd had it when I was young. The opportunity to spend a little time in various um, real job settings in various companies in order to uh, find out what jobs the different jobs are so that they can find out what they really want to do in their life. With their unique talents, exactly. their unique skill sets. And interests, and personal interests. And this is why uh, a, personal, a personal experience here. I, I, te I test well, okay. And, and since I was um, um, uh, raised in a, a, an environment in the uh, 50s and early 60s, uh, went to school in Littleton, Colorado, which uh, it was a company town at the time. It was Martin Marietta, the space program. 
So science and math was the, the, the be-all and end-all, and I test well in them. Okay. Uh, uh, the, the fact is, uh, uh, personally, I only like math. Uh, the, I, I like numbers with dollar signs in front of them. I'm not interested in theoretical math. Uh, but and I'm interested in in the logic of science and math in applying it to sociology and philosophy and that concept didn't go over well in that uh, uh, venue. Uh, I was pushed, uh, forced actually to to go into the areas, and so I rebelled and wasted a lot of my life and my time trying to uh, work in in the areas that were not right for me, and um, it made me, um, it caused me to make a lot of choices that I would not have made had I been encouraged to look around and learn more about the world, and um, uh, uh, perhaps ha- have achieved uh, or, or, or begun many of these things at an earlier age. Of course, now I ha- I, I do have to be honest. Let's let's give the devil his due, uh, and say that that perhaps if I had not had many of those experiences, I would not have the um, Understanding to uh, uh, put the focus on certain things now that I do uh, that I feel are necessary to teach people how to do things differently. So I'll I'll say I uh, now I'm doing what I know I should always have done. I sure wish it were earlier, but uh, I'm going to try and make the best use of it I can now. Yes, and I think it's never too late. I think that. Had you understood this information maybe, let's say, 15 years prior to your understanding, it likely wouldn't have been time for society to receive it. That's another point, too. Society has to go through a lot of this, and it's painful. Uh, but uh, uh, let us hope that, that uh, there are more and more people who are learning the lesson. Absolutely. So I, I think it, it is important, and I've, I've had to learn in my own experience that often I've experienced things in my life that I don't understand or that don't bring a lot of um, necessarily joy or light to my life, but I come to understand something like, for instance, working in the school system um, here in California. I went in for a year, and it was a really amazing experience. I worked with over about 900 children in nine schools in one district, and there was just an extreme diversity, but I was really able to see the human need for someone connected, someone who cares, someone who could just show up and be there for the children, and I realized that's the first step in catalyzing people to live in their truth and to understand their desires like you were speaking of for yourself. Very much, and and if uh, if you noticed in the uh, book I do... uh, uh, suggest neighborhood mentors for each student who can give some uh, attention, and and one doesn't have to be highly technically trained to do that sort of thing um, it, with some very basic 
uh, training they can, um, and and a good heart, they can bring an awful lot of positive direction to a uh, young person who, with just the right amount of of positive attention can go forward in, and and grow in a, a, a much better direction than they uh, have the chance of doing now. Yes, and you know I have to say that I was very fortunate in my own experience through that growth. I did have some abuse in my childhood and I've had some very extreme experiences that will all be revealed in a book one day, but just, just to note, so my experiences um, for me in school, my teachers were meant a lot to me. Their opinion of me, how I was perceived, and if I succeeded. So I really needed a strong sense of social support since I was being invalidated in my home environment um, in terms of academics and, and just my being as a child. And so when I would reach out, it was amazing how the universe always brought me these programs, these enhancement programs, once I had left um, private school and went into a public school system. And so I was in the program called AVID, Advanced Via Individual Determination. And it offered tutoring. It brought exactly what you write about in the book, The World I Imagined, those concepts. I had a tutor group. We had a science group. We had a math group. And basically what we would do was the strongest person in the group would lead the others through the process, like through the class project or through the homework or through whatever would be coming up in that, in that particular subject area. And, and it also prepared us for college. It also made me take notes daily in every class. So I, w I learned how to be I mean, I mean, an exceptional note taker in the executive world and, and in the academic realm. So what it did was it gave me the life skills that the educational system and the family environment were not able to give me. Exactly. And as a matter of fact, that I'm, I'm glad you brought up the point of, of programs like that existing because one thing that I, I mention in the book is that uh, most of these ideas are not simply uh, things that popped out of my own uh, head. I've been observing uh, it scattered around this world are so many good things happening. Um, it is a, a matter of the human responsibility that we have to grow and start connecting these good uh, programs, these good ideas, and uh, enhance, <coughs> excuse me, enhance them and, and uh, um, look at uh, how the individual's are are thriving in them, and if there is anyone that needs any extra help to provide that for them. Yes, and I think one of the systems that we could start this in that I've personally thought about launching some sort of support system in would be the foster care system because there is such a demand for that support within that, those systems, whether it be in Washington State or California State, or I mean I think anywhere across the U.S. I know about it just here in, in California and Washington. There are very little support system for these children. They don't have a family. They don't really have a strong sense of community. They don't know how to relate to others because they're shifted from home to home and unstable. So that would be a great group of children to really start to create the change with because the demand is there. Absolutely, and I want to add one more thing I've been hearing more and more about lately, the aging out of the system. 
the the policy that once they reach a certain age, 18 in most uh, of those uh, uh, situations, that they're just let uh, thrown out of the system and left on their own. And these are uh, uh, potential valuable citizens who are being neglected, who who need so much. They need an an organized uh, plan, but but one that serves the individual. Oh, uh, 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 that's so exciting because that that is exactly uh, an element of society that that I keep in mind when I write some of these things. So. Yes, and I you know I'm so glad that you are putting these ideas out because they validate my ideas that I've been writing since about 2002. Actually, you know, I've had them for years, but I've actually been writing them since then. And so it's like, okay, there's somebody else who sees what I'm seeing. There's an overlap here, the Venn diagram effect, that we actually can create a revolution of positive change, and it can be effective and grounded. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's keep. Let's both keep going for it. <laughs> yes, I agree. Thumbs up. <laughs> well, I think one of our listeners here says new ideas scare almost everybody. That's why people will say you're quote unquote stupid. Why do you want to take a chance? Let somebody else take a chance. Let somebody else make a fool of themselves. And I think that's so true. If we all chose to create the world peace by beginning within ourselves to create inner peace. Yes. So if we actually just say, I'm going to create peace within myself, mm-hmm. we are then naturally creating a world that can resonate in, in inner peace. Yes, because then how we act will affect another. They will react. And yes. it's, it's the wave effect. Yes, the domino effect or the ripple effect. Yeah, <laughs> I see both. <laughs> Great. So there was another point in education, since that is a hot topic for me, that I really like that you presented, and that was the, well. I'm going to double. I'm going to put two points in this in this idea. Okay. The learning for life model, which mm-hmm. I absolutely love because I am an avid learner. I'm a fan of learning. I've been reading encyclopedias since I was like five years old or four years old, (laughs) a little bookworm. And um, also the idea of universal education access. Yes. So those ideas do tie in together, but they are separate points that you make in the book. But I I do want to talk about those. So let's talk about the universal education access. What is that? Well, essentially I say that we we are so – we lock – uh, the students into educational institutions. You go to this school. You have access to these teachers. And uh, it, it, what uh, what I I'm looking at what's going on in uh, the world now with the technology available, the with uh, the internet and and all of these. Uh, CDs and DVDs with with all of the information that is available, and I I uh, ask the question, why cannot we open up the um, educational model to allow each individual student to find the educational guidance they need uh, from any source? That, that is available throughout the world. And we have this Internet that, that has the 
is the very technology that could be used for that. Um, of course, I go into detail about uh, uh, setting up the system uh, so that every teacher, every class uh, uh, can be uh, recorded and uh, offered that way. Um, I do have grand dreams, but the idea is uh, this would open up the um, possibilities for each individual to to uh, learn more than is possible when they're trying to to uh, lockstep through a a uh, defined institution as they are now, and I feel that would create we would we would, we would begin to find the genius in each individual in that respect. Yes, I think that's a very valid point because there is a genius in all of us and if we had a universal classroom that allowed us to learn through the internet, it would reduce the hierarchy of the teacher. Absolutely. Which is key for indigos. I want to make that point clear. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we as indigos do not really necessarily, we are old souls as a group, as a whole, is one of the characteristics. And we know all this information. We need gentle reminders. We need encouraging stimulation. And the traditional model, whether for adults or children or even in the career realm of in America, executive realm, it is really about the hierarchy. That's right. That's right. And, and that's we, not effective. That's right. We indigos do not like authority that much. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you you what you're doing with bringing the point up with this, and then me adding the authority point is we're really looking for equality. We're going back to that human right of equality. Very much, very much, and and being able to go forward at our own pace to produce as well as learn. And and how much has the world been denied because people haven't been allowed to produce at a rate? at which they could because it it didn't it wasn't okayed by some uh executive senior so uh that uh yes yes we are rebels in that aspect and I also want to mention that I think we're setting a tone here. We're putting a new leading edge. And one of our listeners has just um, sent over a message to me and says, I think that you are teaching on the classroom of the future right now. So you and I are already doing what you're talking about in a little bit different way in this hour. We're putting this hour out on the World Wide Web for people to grab the information to help them come to their own peace and understanding. Yes. Absolutely, and and of course, I think that leads to the the other uh, uh, educational element you you talked about lifetime learning, and uh, that is uh, this is exactly why I at the age of sixty four, I I I don't see myself stopping at any point. Uh, my husband just turned sixty five, and uh, uh, if he retires from his uh, uh, day job, uh, which finally is in the service uh, uh, to people who need it to to the uh, Pima tribe at the Gila River Indian community um, for the last five years, uh, it, it, he will be uh, uh, focusing on his art. He's a painter. And I think that's an aspect of of the future 
it, it, more and it, more and more it's happening in the present. Present people are not retiring now just to play golf. Uh, too many are, but but more and more are are uh, uh, retiring from their uh, 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 mid years uh, career to find other careers and especially to find careers in service in their communities or to go to to uh different countries to serve and uh this is an aspect of the learning uh the learning and the serving is what I think we should be doing for the rest of our lives learning and serving i love the motto <laughs> <laughs> That's a catchy one. We can write a book. That's Absolutely. the title, Learning and Serving. We will continue. Let us go. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't see there's a stopping point. I think Louise Hay is a great example, mm-hmm. um, the founder of Hay House, you know, um, yes. The, yes. the major conglomerate. She's here in Carlsbad, which is actually where oh. I, I'm at launching the radio show here now and she's such an inspiration she's in her 80s she was born in the early um late either late teens or early 20s right before the major depression and she's one of the leading indigos for our entire global system right now in this new age thought thought transformation mm-hmm. and it's just so exciting so i don't think there is a stopping at 83 she gave a quote that something to the effect that she can't wait for the next 10 years to see what more she can bring forth in light and love. Uh, I'm I'm right there with her. So, it's, you know, you got 20, 30 years to go. This is exciting. Oh, <laughs> uh, 50 if I'm lucky. <laughs> yes, yes. So that's great. 85 plus, the fastest uh-huh. growing population. Absolutely. Let's make it a good one. So, you know, you when, in talking about the four... Fears. There is one more fear, and this is important to me. Of course, the the last fr- freedom that uh, Franklin Roosevelt talked about was the freedom to worship God in one's own way. And now, of course, many people uh, think of this this is organized religion, but it, 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 to me, this is is any aspect of how we are using our spiritual side. And um, uh, because this is an an important element of our makeup, not just our our physical, uh, which we discussed, freedom from uh, want, and and, uh, the psychological freedom from fear, but that freedom for the spiritual side, because all the rest uh, depend on it, and it depends on them. And I feel that people always want to know, why are we here? Why are we here? Well, I I feel, my personal opinion, is we are here to do our best to make something better in the world. Yes, and as we do that, we learn and grow as spirits. And that's the ultimate goal for eternity is to continue to learn and experience new aspects of who we are. So in learning to grow and continuing to expand who we are through service, we expand our consciousness, we lift humanity up, and we come, become a more whole, complete being in the duality on earth. Absolutely. 
Wonderful. This is so exciting. I'm just so excited. We have Debbie Jordan here on Evolution Revolution this evening with her phenomenal book release, The World I Imagine, a creative manual for ending poverty and building peace. I must say that Debbie is an adult indigo, and she is leading this revolution of a paradigm shift, and she really does a fantastic job on focusing on the social issues that we're seeing here in America and globally, and really bringing in awareness and solutions for them, tangible solutions. And again, we need to take these solutions and bring them down to a community level and allow the domino effect to take place. You know, change does not occur overnight, and it starts in small groups, and it just evolves. It grows with faith and hope, love and trust. It is in the deepest truth that we find the peace to bring humanity to a higher experience of love, joy, peace, abundance, wonder, awe, and all wonderful vibrations and experiences. It is through awareness that change begins. Let the positive change begin within yourself and then observe the ripple effect of goodness that will exponentially flow around you. Change the world in a positive light by changing yourself through love, understanding, compassion, awareness, and self-empowerment through knowledge. The loving universe supports you through the process to a higher and wider and better transformation. Each week, I will answer one question on air that I receive via email on my website at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. You can submit your burning question to me via the website on the Contact Us page, and in the subject line, be sure to write Burning Question. This week, I'm answering a question from Mark Anthony in Long Beach, California. He inquired about his relationship. I would like to know if I see him moving in with his partner. Yes, Mark Anthony, the energy I see today around the move with Brian looks very supportive of you creating this desired manifestation. I recommend to keep manifesting the move as it is an energetic process and be sure to ground it. Keep communication lines open. And in terms of a timeline, I see three to six months it will happen. If you increase the manifestation, it could be even two to three months. Free will is a key factor in bringing this desired move into fruition. Best of luck, and I look forward to receiving your burning question. Next week on August 28th, Michelle Epiphany Prosser will help you to get in touch with the divine with a simple and profound approach in her book release, Excuse Me, Your God is Waiting, Michelle offers her teachings about optimizing the law of attraction through the power of prayer. On September 4th, Michael Tamora will offer his divine and wise teachings about learning to validate our true selves and developing inner certainty and certainty in the divinity. He will offer a healing meditation following these valuable topics. Be sure to join us for an unforgettable experience. On September 11th, Carol J. Obley will offer her deeply powerful book that gently reminds us that true love is eternal love. The barrier of physicality is an illusion in her compelling and true story that richly fill the pages in her latest book release, I'm Still With You, True Stories of Healing Grief Through Spirit Communication. On September 18th, Jocelyn Chaplin will be offering from the UK her highly integrated and deeply enlightened perspective in her book release, Deep Equality, Living in the Flow of Natural Rhythms. On September 25th, Sarah McLean will appear with her meditative expertise. She's the director of the Sedona Meditation Training Company and inspires seekers to take time out 
for time in through meditation. She has vast experience, including her work with Deepak Chopra and Gary Zukov. Sarah will take us through an inspirational meditation live. Be sure to join us. On October 2nd, Robert Bruce will offer his thorough look into the astral realms in his rich book release, Astral Dynamics. On October 9th, Dr. Susan Carroll with her enlightened book, Visions from Venus, a multidimensional love story. Susan offers a look into the higher dimensions and how they appear on Earth in times of great transition and transformation through a real-life story. On October 16th, Robert Schwartz will be appearing with his wise and insightful perspective on pre-birth planning, or a spirit's look at the events and people that one will experience during their human existence through revealing true stories and a strong emphasis on Robert's personal experience in the book release, Courageous Souls. Do we plan our life challenges before birth? On October 30th, Barbara Han Clow will offer a look into the higher realms of her multidimensional expertise and revolutionary concepts from her book release, Alchemy of Nine Dimensions, Decoding the Vertical Axes, Crop Circles, and the Mayan Calendar, and from her vast array of enlightened teachings also to include her book, The Mayan Code. On November 6th, Chrissy Blaze will appear to discuss her latest astrological book release, Baby Star Signs, who portrays the new children of today, or indigos, as old souls, who have come here during the crossroads to shift humanity to enlightenment during its evolutionary development. On November 13th, Barbara Marks Hubbard, a leading pioneer of conscious evolution, will be appearing with her expansive consciousness and her meaningful book release, Conscious Evolution, Awakening the Power of Our Social Potential. On December 4th, please join me with Albert Clayton Golden and his authentic perspective in his re-release by Simon & Schuster of his book, You're Not Who You Think You Are, A Breakthrough Guide to Discovering the Authentic You. Albert will bring a new lens to authenticity and expand your horizons. On December 11th, Chrissy Blaze will be reappearing with her latest astrological book release, Superstar Signs, Sun Signs of Celebrities, Heroes, and You. Join us as we delve into the astrological realms and discover our true nature. On December 18th, Jerry Wenstrom will appear with his passionate warrior story of transformation during his personal spiritual journey in his long-lived book, The Inspired Heart an artist's journey of transformation. On January 1, 2009, Richard Lawrence will appear on Evolution Revolution with a two-hour New Year special. During the first hour, Richard will guide you to unlock your psychic powers with his latest book release. It's great fun. And be sure to join us during the second hour when Richard will unveil the mysterious truth about UFOs, talk about the 200 sightings in the UK on a single day last July, the role of the UFOs and life on other planets in relation to humans, and further discuss why beings from out of this world choose to make visits on planet Earth. Richard and I truly look forward to you joining us for a most special edition of Evolution Revolution. You can purchase all of the author's books featured on Evolution Revolution at www.amazon.com or you can link up to their individual websites through the Evolution Revolution homepage at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. Please join me in the upcoming weeks on the new revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution. Additionally, please explore the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found on iTunes, which is a new, new 
released. This just came about about a week or two ago. So be sure to check out iTunes for free downloads at any time. And also on the Evolution Revolution homepage via the Blue Media Box Player or the direct audio link. The archives are available 24 hours a day to listen to at no charge and include amazing talent such as Alan Arcieri, Chrissy and Gary Blaze, Jenna Hollingsworth, Marcia Scarborough, Evo Dominguez Jr., Michael Skorowski, Dr. Susan Carroll, Karen Sawyer, Dr. Daniel Condren, Dr. Laura Clark, Gary Zukov, and, and Linda Francis, Dr. Adrian Windsor, Neil Donald Walsh, Taylor Wilshire, Dr. Barbara Condren, Jeff Brown, Anna Maria Hemingway, Charles Virtue, Michael Tamora, Marla Martinson, Michael Brown, Richard Blackstone, David Robert Ord, Megan Skinner, Dr. Lisa Love, Jennifer Weigel, Dr. Betty Youngs, and Paula Marie Jackson. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us in the future for an enlightening experience. I am a metaphysical teacher, healer, and spiritual counselor who offers clairvoyant readings via phone allowing me to connect with people anywhere. Please visit me on my website at www.dulcineasdivinevision.com under the clairvoyant reading page on my website, which includes testimonials from clients and my contact information. A divine and spiritually enlightening experience awaits you. Also, please be sure to check out my new blog at www.evolutionrevolutionwithdulcinea.com for weekly postings and guest announcements for Evolution Revolution. Co-create with Evolution Revolution. We are seeking partners to help Evolution Revolution evolve and expand to even more people across the globe. If you are interested in partnering and supporting the rapid development of Evolution Revolution, please explore the quote-unquote radio sponsors tab at www.evolutionrevolutionradio.com. I look forward to hearing from you about the infinite possibilities to co-create in the highest light and with the grandest intentions. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution this evening with my honored guest, Debbie Jordan. Thank you, Debbie, so much for joining us this evening. Oh, thank you, Dulcinea. It has been a delight. An honor. And I want to let everybody know they can find Debbie on the web at www.imaginetheworldatpeace.com. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Abundant angel blessings. Good night.